You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 194 of Canadians Connection, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. I'm uh, glad to have you here. And uh, as you said, episode 194, we're getting close to our 200th episode of the Canadians Connection, which seems amazing. Um, with its roots of Habs 360, we go back to, oh, 2011 um, as as a, one of the premier podcasts uh, all about the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're coming up on our fifth season um, you have joined us, you have joined us full time and we're going to get you in the, your name in the opening, um, uh, for next week. And, and just, <laughs> there's, there's lots to be excited about. Um, and, um, and how is it the off season? And, and as we tell Canadians fans all the time, there's always, always, always Canadians news. And again, what an absolute pack show we have today. Yep, the NHL season is not even officially over, and it feels like every week now since the regular season has ended, there's always just been something, and a lot of something. It's uh, it's really crazy, and it's it's going to keep ramping up. We have the draft coming up pretty soon. Absolutely, and and uh, you know, in the off season, um, we tried to to make some improvements, uh, back end improvements on the website. We try to do a lot of things, but there's still a lot of hockey to cover, a lot of stories to cover. We got the Laval series still going on. Um, I try to I try to do some uh, reading. I got a stack of books. One is the Scotty Morrison book, the the series that changed hockey forever, the '72 series. Uh, try to get caught up on some TV beyond the Stanley Cup playoffs. I I, I finally got in, got a couple episodes of Shorzy under my belt uh, this week, which is a great show. If you, if, if you like Letter Kenny, you're going to like Shorzy, and and this has the added bonus that our good friend, uh, friend of the show Terry Ryan is is uh, is in it, and a uh, great start to, uh, to 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 the off season. 
Yeah, I've, I've not gotten into Shorzy quite yet. Uh, unfortunately, with uh, the newest season of Stranger Things coming out, I uh, <laughs> decided to take a trip back to the 80s. Uh, I love that 80s music, and uh, I don't want any spoilers, so I kind of have to watch it all at once before I can do anything else. <laughs> that makes good sense. Um, but uh, we're going to have all kinds of information for you today. Uh, we love the alliteration, Canadians Connection, and today it's Carrie Coach and Combine. Why don't you tell the folks uh, what they can expect from episode 194? Well, it's another news-heavy episode. Uh, in the first segment here, we're going to get you up to date with the Habs roster, check in and see what uh, everyone's been up to lately. And that will follow by the Habs prospect report. We'll uh, give you an update on the Laval Rocket, uh, who are doing pretty nicely in the playoffs if you've been keeping track. Not bad. We also have some audio from Carey Price. And in segment one, we'll uh, get into some news from around the NHL. For uh, segment two, uh, we're going to check in on Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Martin St. Louis as the, the head coach and uh, some other things going on this week uh, with uh, the draft combine happening. So that will bring us to segment three. Uh, we'll get uh, you our Canadians Connection question of the week and uh, we'll prepare you for what to expect in uh, upcoming weeks. So uh, as uh, you know, Rick, it's, uh, it's, we try to be an interactive podcast and uh, what are the best ways to interact with us? Why don't you text us? Uh, text us at the Rocket Sports text line, 5853ROCKET. Send us an email at info at allhabs.net or reach out to us on social media. Perfect. So uh, starting off, uh, we will get our uh, week of review going. Uh, make sure you check out Tabs Notepad and Habs Headlines at allhabs.net to keep you up to date. So starting back all the way to last weekend, uh, Team Finland beat Team Canada at the IIHF World Championship. It was 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, unfortunate uh, penalty by Team Captain Thomas Shabbat uh, for the Canadians, uh, taking a penalty in overtime, and that led to uh, the Finland game-winning goal. So congrats to Joel Armia on the gold, and uh, congrats to Josh Anderson on the silver. Uh, it was Czechia who took the bronze, beating out Team USA. Uh, Joel Armia had a, had a really strong series. He scored uh, the third goal in that uh, the gold medal game. Uh, over 10 games, had eight points on five goals and three assists. Um, Josh Anderson started, well, a little bit quieter as the tournament went on, but still ended up with eight points on seven assists in 10 games. Um, don't forget about Sean Farrell. He played for Team USA. Uh, Jordan Harris didn't get into a game. We got a bit of, we were wondering about that last week. Um, and um, we got some clarification that Jordan Harris was invited to the tournament, um, you know, and took part in, in the, uh, some of the practices, but, uh, the, the U S team did not register him for the tournament. And when it came time, they had kept some spots open, uh, for extra forwards. Uh, so he wasn't officially eligible to play unfortunate for, uh, Harris. Um, but, uh, that's, that's what team USA decided. And I don't think that's a, really a reflection on Jordan Harris because um, he had a uh, he had a very good NCAA career and looked pretty good when he joined the Canadians at the end of the season. 
Yeah, and uh, another guy who played in the NCAA that uh, actually managed to get into this tournament, uh, Sean Farrell, he impressed me quite a bit, uh, putting up six points in 10 games. So a nice outing for him. And uh, like you said, it's uh, it's too bad we didn't get a look at Harris in this tournament, but uh, I'm sure practicing with all those uh, professionals will be pretty good for his development overall. For sure. And I think for, for any of the... the, the uh, players that represented their country and and uh, uh, whether the, the goaltender Deco or, or Harris or Farrell or Mia Anderson, uh, the opportunity after a tough season, particularly for Armia and, and Anderson, to go and have some success uh, and be able to play with with uh, with other players and and um, I, I think it was a, a nice way for them to uh, end end their seasons. Yeah, and uh, another uh, really nice to end to a season here. Carey Price was selected as this year's recipient for the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. Uh, with all the struggles he had this season, personally, mental health-wise, and uh, physically, uh, he battled to get into some games before the end of the season. And uh, I guess big congrats to Carey Price. Uh, he beat out uh, fellow finalists Dano Chera and Kevin Hayes. And uh, the Bell Masterton Memorial Trophy, That's a, it's a trophy that's awarded to the NHL who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and uh, dedication to hockey. I think Carey Price fits that mold pretty well, especially with what he was able to do this past year. Absolutely. And and listen, um, uh, each uh, each of the finalists uh, have compelling stories. Uh, Zdeno Chera, uh, his age and, and being in hockey. Uh, Kevin Hayes, a rough year with um, the, the the death of of, of his brother. Um, but there's no one uh, who better uh, exemplifies the qualities of this award perseverance, sportsmanship, dedication to hockey, then Carey Price. And it was a real struggle. It was a real fight. Uh, Carey Price had to fight his body to get back into uh, the games that he, that he did uh, this season and, and uh, uh, the, 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 the challenge of, of the swelling of his knee. And, and, but it was important to him uh, to play. It was important to him to be with his, his teammates, um, and, uh, and obviously it was important to the fans who gave him a huge ovation when he was able to, uh, take the net. Yeah. And the, the one thing that really sticks with me about his story this past year, it's that he didn't come back and join a playoff or a cup contending team. He came back to join a team and dead last just, and to me that, uh, that, that really means something, his dedication to the team, his dedication to the sport and uh, everything else. It's uh, really inspirational, I think. That's just an excellent point because there was no reason. Carey Price didn't have anything to gain uh, by coming back other than, than uh, the challenge of doing it, other than showing that he could play, other than um, supporting his, his team that, you know, it must have been tough to watch them night after night, um, throughout that difficult season, um, and and he wanted to show them that he could be a part of it. I, I think that's absolutely um, an excellent point and a good reason why um, he was um, he was an excellent choice for this award. Yeah, and uh, we do have some audio from Kerry coming up a little bit later in this segment, uh, so you'll get to hear from him. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we also have our Schonberg watch, uh, which we've been doing for a number of weeks now. I, I always get a kick out of it. And uh, right now he's still listed as director of goaltending on the Canadians website. Uh, I think we're going to have to do something special if this ever changes. Absolutely. And, and as Chris G pointed out uh, this week, it's not as if the website isn't updated because we saw Christopher Boucher added uh, last week, uh, this week, the change to the website, at least in terms of the hockey operations staff, is Nick Bobrov got a new picture um, that uh, with a, uh, they had had a, a picture for a long time, and him in his role with the Rangers, but he actually is wearing a, uh, a Canadian's uh, uh, a jer- a shirt in the um, in the picture. So yes, it's been updated, and we mentioned this if you missed it. It was uh, Kent Hughes that said um, in an interview, no, um, Sean Burke was never, uh, we, the uh, uh, Department of Goaltending was never created. Uh, Sean Burke was never uh, appointed as director of goaltending. It was only, a, a, you know, a, an idea and a conversation that, that Mark Bergevin had. So we, we just enjoy poking fun at that a little bit, <laughs> that, <laughs> that Sean Burke is, is actually officially uh, on, as far as the website's concerned, the director of goaltending. Yep. And uh, we'll continue to keep you up to date on that <laughs> if anything changes. So now I think is a good time to get into our Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. The Laval Rocket will look to continue their playoff success as they begin the Eastern Conference Finals against the Springfield Thunderbirds. And uh, it's going to be a best of seven, uh, the first four games of already been put out uh the first one's actually tonight uh on june the 4th it's a 735 start in springfield and then it's going to be a back-to-back away in springfield as on sunday the fifth there's another game at 505 p.m the series won't get back in, into laval until wednesday it'll be a seven o'clock start that's uh, june the 8th and then two days later on june the 10th a uh, friday night there's going to be another game uh, more games will be added if needed, but uh, those are the first four. How are you feeling about this matchup against Springfield, Rick? Canadians fans should be ecstatic about this. This is again in a difficult to see, uh, season. This is this is uh, to celebrate uh, the Laval Rocket first making the playoffs for the very first time in their franchise history, and now making it to the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, being one of the one of only four teams left um, standing in the Calder Cup playoffs uh, on the East, as you said, Springfield uh, and Laval on the West. It's the Chicago Wolves and the Stockton Heat. Um, this is this is very exciting uh, for for Canadians fans, and and we've seen uh, our our coverage on AHL Report, our AHL Report team, and. And Chris G and and Amy Johnson um, covering uh, this series, covering well, they've been covering the Laval Rocket all season long, and and uh, it's nice to see uh, some Canadians fans now um, appreciating and, and valuing their coverage. Um, th- this is well, listen. Uh, if you don't think it's important, uh, tonight's for the first game of the series. We're we're recording this on Saturday, so. Uh, first game uh, in um, 
Springfield at the Mass Mutual Center. And uh, we're told that uh, uh, the whole crew is going to be there. Uh, Kent Hughes and, and uh, Marty St. Louis are going to are traveling to Springfield and expected to be there uh, for the Laval game tonight. Uh, this series, uh, unlike the, the previous series, is a best of seven. Uh, the previous two series were a best of five affair. So this is... Uh, uh, more traditional in the best of seven format. However, this is a two-three-two um, split in games. They start on the road for two games in Springfield, come home to uh, to Place Bell four-three, and then uh, the final two in Springfield. Of course, if if necessary. Um, so this is exciting. This is this is very exciting for the Laval Rocket and the Canadians uh, organization uh, whole. Yeah, it would really be something to see uh, the Montreal Canadiens finish the season in 32nd and then see the Laval Rocket be able to potentially win that Calder Cup. That, that would really be something big for this city. And, uh, you know, Montreal fans are very, very passionate hockey fans. If there's one thing I've learned since moving here, it's that. And uh, I, I really hope that Laval has all the success in these playoffs. And just to, um, you know, we know that, that fans don't always follow the AHL. Uh, Springfield, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds, they are the AHL affiliate of the St. Louis Blues. Um, so there's, um, and and the Springfield uh, Thunderbirds uh, finished uh, in the standings uh, seventh overall in the AHL. The Laval Rocket finished 12th. Um, so this is going to be a tougher series uh, than... Um, Laval has experienced so far. Um, and one thing that Laval hasn't faced so far in the playoffs in their two five game series is uh, exceptional goaltending. Uh, they will for sure uh, against Pr- Springfield. Uh, both Charlie Lindgren and Joel Hofer have been uh, the two of the top goalies uh, in the, the AHL, not only in the season, but in the, in the playoffs. Um, and uh, you know, uh, as 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 it happens, as spring, as St. Louis was eliminated, uh, they bolstered uh, that Springfield lineup, uh, sending Charlie Lindgren uh, back. Charlie had been um, up with uh, with St. Louis after Jordan Bennington got injured. They also sent defenseman Callie Rosen uh, back, and Callie Rosen will well, he's going to be there. Their number one defenseman in Springfield, so they've got a, a couple of NHL uh, recruits back uh, in Springfield, and that will make uh, that team uh, just a little bit tougher. Well, I mean that's nice, but Laval Rocket did sign Canadians prospect Joshua Waugh to an amateur tryout, so I, I think that's going to measure up pretty well. No, that evens out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and nice, nice opportunity. Um, for uh, Joshua Wah, his his season ended in the queue, um, and uh, and ousted by uh, the part of the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Um, uh, they were ousted by Charlatan, and uh, so he is now available uh, for the Laval Rocket, just as as Riley Kidney was was added when his queue season ended. Um, Riley Kidney not yet got into a, a game. Uh, it's not expected necessarily that Joshua Waugh will get into uh, a game um, uh, anytime soon. Uh, 
Um, and what we do know is uh, one of those late ads uh, was Matthias Norlander. He won't be part of this series uh, injured, probably, they're not saying, but probably concussion symptoms after a, a, a hit in the in the last series. So, um, yep, the, the, the Laval Rocket have added, kind of at the other end of, of uh, the spectrum, they've added a couple of junior players that will be available uh, should uh, J.F. will find the need to integrate them into the lineup. And, and they're not just, I mean, these are, are two exceptionally offensively gifted players. Yep, and they made some other changes. They did uh, release uh, some of their black aces in Alexander Fortin, Justin Ducharme, and Max Kaufman. Uh, they also released uh, goaltender Gabriel Mello Hill uh, from his professional tryout. Uh, so they're certainly making some room for some of these prospects to get in. Uh, uh, these players on the black aces that I just mentioned, uh, these were mostly guys that uh, were with uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions, uh, whose playoffs came to an end a little bit earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts on these guys being released uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think in the scheme of things, it especially with the, the new additions um, forward-wise, it, it was increasingly unlikely that... Uh, uh, those black aces would get into to, to the lineup, and and uh, so uh, you know it, they're they're streamlining, they're they're um, making the the practices a little bit easier, and and uh, it it makes entirely good sense. Moving along uh, to some other prospect news, uh, with the passing of the June first deadline, the Montreal Canadiens have relinquished the rights to Jacob Olafson, a center uh, who split time this past season between the SHL and the Hockey Allsvenskan. Uh, he's a 22 year old center. Uh, he'll probably stay with his team uh, IF uh, Bjorkloven for another season. Um, this is another second round draft pick that the Montreal Canadiens will not give a contract to. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, second round picks, as we know, are pretty valuable, and uh, the Canadians, by letting the the um, letting their rights lapse, uh, they had to to till until June first to sign him. They chose not to. Um, they're they're relinquishing their rights, as you said, to uh, a second round pick uh, that they picked in twenty eighteen. I think. Uh, this uh, you said again, uh, Yoni Ikenen, um The the last year was uh, in a similar situation, and they they uh, let him go. Um, Twenty eighteen was not the the deepest draft. That was the draft in Dallas. We were there, um, and um, it, it's the, the Canadians had in the second round um, had two early picks. Yes, Yelonen went at 35th overall, Alexander Romanov, a couple of picks later at 38, and then was uh, Jacob Olsen at, at 56. Um, and um, as I said, there I think there's uh, the tally is that there was four players uh, chosen after uh, Olofsson that have played 50 games uh, so far in the NHL. So it not a strong draft and and uh, with all the the, um, the the picks that they have coming up, uh, this is this was a way of of um, paring down the negotiating list of a prospect that that they didn't see having a future in the organization. Yeah, there's only so many contracts that you can have uh, as a team. I believe the number is fifty. Um, 
you're not going to hit on every single draft pick. Obviously, uh, with a second rounder, it's it's tough when you don't qualify those guys. But uh, you, you mentioned Yolonen, or sorry, Ulanen and uh, Romanov as other guys that were picked uh, in that round. You know what? Uh, if you hit on two of the three guys, that's not too bad. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. Uh, Canadians prospect Ty Smilanik, who uh, they acquired in the Bencherot trade from Florida. He's uh, transferred from Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac University to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, last year, he put up 23 points in 41 games with Quinnipiac. Uh, I think he had some playoff success uh, with that team as well. But uh, do you think that that uh, means a whole lot for him to transfer to a different university? Um, I, I, it happens. Um, and, uh, a program, there's nothing wrong with the Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac program. Um, they have produced some, some very good hockey players and, and are usually, um, you know, one of the teams that uh, is in pursuit of the frozen four. Um, but he, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's coaching or, or the program, uh, just didn't fit his style. So we reported, uh, weeks back that, uh, Smolanik had entered the transfer protocols, uh, in, in indicating his intention that, uh, he wanted to change schools. And, and this was, um, this just made it, this just made it official, um, now he's going to, uh, university of Wisconsin, the Badgers. We know all about that program. Really good coach, uh, in Tony Granado. We, it's where Cole Caulfield came from, obviously. Um, so, uh, there's this, this is, uh, you know, going to the big 10, uh, w- university of Wisconsin. I think this is, this is a great move for, um, uh, for Smolanic. Be sure to read all the content at ahl.report. Also, listen and subscribe to The Press Zone on last week's podcast. Uh, You'll find an edition of the AHL Hot Stove with Patrick Williams uh, providing a preview for the Laval-Springfield Eastern Final as well as the Western Final between Chicago and Stockton. Now, uh, we have our quotes of the week. Uh, We have a couple quotes coming from Carey Price in regards to winning the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. Um, He's talking about his feelings of honor. Uh, It's definitely a special honor for me. Um, uh, I'm very grateful to receive this this award. Um, You know, looking at some of the past players that have received this is uh is definitely a special list um you know there's a lot of players on there that i have a ton of respect for and i'm very grateful to be a part of that uh terry uh, uh, carrie price was uh, subdued in the in the press conference um I, I think he was very appreciative of the honor this is this is uh, a tough trophy to win uh and he obviously uh, felt the the weight of of the honor um, and for him um, you know what was important was looking back and seeing past winners um, and uh, and as he said he has a lot of respect for uh, the people who have come before him um, in in winning this award uh, Carey Price set a, a record as I said earlier set a record a Canadian's franchise record uh, by being the Habs player with the most different individual awards in history. Um, and he bypassed Jean Beliveau and Guy Lafleur. Um, 
Jean Beliveau won four different awards. Guy Lafleur won four different awards. Uh, Boom Boom Jeffrey on three awards. Patrick Waugh, three awards. Carey Price has now won five different individual trophies. The Masterton this time, and we know he's won the Ted, Ted Lindsay Award, the Jennings uh, Trophy, the Vezina, and, uh, and the Hart Trophy for the most valuable players. So uh, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Um, and I think what was even more remarkable uh, to me is that Carey Price uh, did this in an unusual way. He did it without the support of any of the, uh, of, of, for the most part, the, the Montreal media. Um, and that, that's not usually how this, this award happens. Um, the, the Montreal, the, the NHL uh, media, they recognized um, Carey Price's, uh, as we talked about a little earlier, his perseverance, his dedication to hockey. Montreal media did not. Um, and, and that's, um, I, I, that's really disappointing. It's, it's kind of a disgrace actually, to be honest, um, a real disgrace that, uh, we know that there's been a, an anti price sentiment amongst the media from day one. Uh, we know that because of the way they talk about him, the way they criticize him, the way they, they um, disrespect him um, and have, um, and it's not that, that, um, you know, being objective re- requires uh, sometimes constructive criticism, but uh, the, the cruelness and the meanness uh, over the years um, and the unfairness uh, has been obvious and never more than um, in the, this, uh, in the way that they voted um, for the Masterton, and and I just I think they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Yeah, here's Carey Price, who I, I'm gonna come out and say he's probably one of the best Montreal Canadiens all time with what he's been able to accomplish uh, with the teams that he's been able to accomplish that with. Uh, you just mentioned he's one of the most decorated ever. Uh, I think the only thing he doesn't have at this point is a Stanley cup. So uh, it's unfortunate uh, that uh, certain things get in the way, but uh, I, I think very historic night for Carey Price. Absolutely historic night. And, and um, it's, it's a shame that, that the, the media couldn't join in it. There, there are, I, I took a look at, at the votes Um and there are 14 Montreal-based uh, reporters on the list. Um, precisely one of them, and it was Eric Ingalls, who gave Carey Price a first-place vote. One of 14. Um, <laughs> that's sad. Uh, but it gets worse. As you go through the list, um, that Carey Price... Uh, you're allowed to vote for a first place, make a first place vote, a second place vote, and a third place vote. Carey Price doesn't appear on their ballots anywhere in any of those positions. So it becomes a little obvious when Carey Price is the winner, respected by the NHL writers, um, and doesn't receive any, any, uh, any vote, or well, other than the ones we mentioned, um, that something's going on there. Um, and, and that's... That's sad. That's really, really sad. Um, and and I know that you know the fans on social media have started to push back 
um, against some of the reporters, and and I think their 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 defensiveness uh, is even more telling. Um, their their reactions, um, you know, talking about objectivity. Well, if you've ever watched, uh, if you've ever noted the three stars, um, there's uh, there's a, there's little objectivity uh, after every game. Um, and 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 that's another thing is. You know, some of the reporters, when when pushed, said, um, "Well, w- you know, we're not homers. We we don't pick our own. We don't we don't promote our own." Um, that's just disingenuous because you know that the particularly the the uh, French reporters are always uh, promoting um, francophone players. So that, that's just that's just that's just a given. Um, the the thing that I mean, this is. This is bizarre to me that, um, so who did they vote for? Uh, Justin Danforth is on the list. Who's Justin Danforth? Um, well, um, he was a, he's a player for Columbus who, um, who didn't make the NHL till age 28. That's a nice little story. But Justin Danforth didn't receive any first place votes from the Columbus media. Not from the Columbus media, yet he uh, of his four first place votes, three of them came from Montreal reporters. Montreal reporters gave him two second place votes. Really, and and one of the reporters said, uh, "You know, we 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 don't collude. This just this this just came up like this. This was just uh, organic." Well, I I can tell you that's a bald faced lie because we when these ballots come out we hear people talking about it and sharing and and arguing and and saying who they're going to vote for in press boxes so that's just nonsense and obviously Justin Danforth's uh votes i mean really really you look at um there uh, there's an RDS reporter um he said i would never vote for my own that's that's why i didn't vote for Carey Price uh, but he doesn't define my own. Instead, he voted for Alex Kalorn, the only one who voted for Alex Kalorn. Why? Well, of course. We remember when Alex Kalorn won the Stanley Cup. Where did he bring it home? Brought it home to Beaconsfield, suburb of Montreal. Kalorn is, speaks French fluently, attended French elementary school. His second vote? Well, that goes to Anthony Declare from Laval, first language French. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. Uh, the lengths that they've gone to, um, when, when this could be such a happy story and, and there's so many angles, so many angles to this story, so many ways to celebrate Carrie Price. Um, you know, whether, whether it's the work that he does with the indigenous community, whether it's, um, addressing and, and being open about his mental health, whether it's his struggles with his physical health. There's so many angles that they could, they could talk about, they could write about, they could participate in, and they could be happy about. Um, awful, awful, awful uh, when, when you have such uh, deep inherent bias, uh, and it was really on display um, in, in the last 24 hours. Yeah, Carey Price is always someone that I feel has given himself to the city of Montreal and the team. So it's uh, it's I I think it's pretty depressing that uh, that stuff has been happening. But uh, we do have one more quote uh, coming from Carey Price uh, talking about the achievement and uh, that uh, he's most 
the achievement he is most proud of? You know, a lot of those things are, are you know, near and dear to me, but I think that one that I feel very proud of is, is games played, you know, with the Canadians logo on my chest. Um, I've been very fortunate to play with a lot of teams and, um, you know, like I've said before, I feel like it, being a Montreal Canadian has been a part of my identity. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for, again, the opportunity to play for so long. And, you know, I've had a lot of support throughout the years and I played with a, with a lot of great teammates and had, uh, had a tremendous amount of support from the Montreal Canadiens franchise. So I'm very grateful for that. He has, uh, we meant, I mentioned the individual awards he had. He holds so many of the records for goaltending for the Montreal Canadiens, wins, games played. Um, and when asked what he's most proud of, it's the games that he's played with a CH on his chest. And he's talked about this, uh, this is the second time now he's mentioned that being the, the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens, and, and many, he said he's played with some, uh, some good teams. He's, he, he has played with some good players, but he's not played with some uh, very good teams. And, and I think that's been the problem that uh, Carey Price has been relied on to deliver any success that the Montreal Canadiens have had uh, over his tender, tenure. But what he's most proud of is being a Montreal Canadian. And, and he's so proud of that, uh, that he, he reiterated that being a Montreal Canadian is part of his, of who he is, his identity. Yeah, in in this NHL, like you very rarely see a player have that uh, uh, that kind of commitment to a team like that. So it's uh, it gives me goosebumps to hear that that's what he's the most proud of out of everything he's accomplished, and he's the most proud that he, of the games played uh, with that CH on his chest. Uh, that means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it, it does, and and. Um, you know, he, he has given so much to the organization, so much to the city. Um, and I, I'm, I'm certain that the fans, um, uh, know that and appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's just unfortunate that, um, that he isn't respected universally. So up next here, we have, uh, some hockey news and notes from around the league. The NHL coaching carousel continues, and uh, well, this is going to be a little sneak preview for what you're going to hear more of in segment two. Montreal Canadiens announced that Martin Saint-Louis will be the 32nd head coach of the Montreal Canadiens in their history. So he's the 32nd head coach of a 32nd place team. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to go pretty in-depth on this in segment two. Uh, Rick, I'll get a quick reaction, though. Well, if you, if you look on our Facebook page, uh, the All Habs, the official All Habs Facebook page, facebook.com slash All Habs, facebook.com slash All Habs. Go there um, and make sure you like the page. We have more than 50,000 Canadians fans uh, who are there. The, the response is overwhelm, overwhelming um, that uh, Montreal Canadians fans are pretty happy with this decision. Uh, they're 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 uh, pretty happy with uh, what Marty St. Louis, um, how the the mood at least uh, uh, changed uh, after the firing of, of Dom Ducharme, um, and and they 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 I think respect the enthusiasm 
um, of uh, of a Marty St. Louis, um, and uh, and they they have hope for the future. Let's say that. Okay, that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we should say that that this. I, I don't think there was any surprise to this. Uh, the the. You know, Ken Hughes put up a billboard saying, we're going to do this. Um, and and um, Marty St. Louis said, yeah, I'm coming back. We'll just uh, and it's 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 interesting, given, um, you know, there was an article out this past week uh, from Pierre Lebrun um, talking about the the this is this is I don't remember a, a year like this where there's been so much experienced coaching talent and and really high level talent. Uh, Pete DeBoer, one of the best coaches in in the NHL. Paul Maurice, um, there's a, a, a and and you know we've talked about it in the past week. Um, uh, Barry Trotz, uh, you know, again one of the re- recognized as one of the best coaches in the NHL. There's a lot of talent out there, uh, and the Canadians, um, you know, I, I'm sure they. They, they were aware of that, uh, but they had made a commitment to Marty St. Louis uh, and stuck by it. Yeah, without giving, uh, I guess, my opinions about this, because I'll save that uh, for a little bit later, uh, I guess they have the guy that they like and they committed to him. So uh, on that note, that's a pretty positive thing, at least. For sure. Yeah, I agree. So we do have our Stanley Cup playoffs update uh, as uh, how it affects the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Western Conference final, Colorado, uh, Arturi Lekin leads Edmonton 2 to nothing in the series. So Kulak is down. Uh, so far in these playoffs, eight points in 12 games for Lekin in. Uh, four assists so far for Kulak. And uh, that's uh, it's going to be a very offensive series. Uh, if a goaltender can make a save here and there, I guess that <laughs> makes it better. Yeah, that well, uh, Frank Kuz, what a what an effort he had last game. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I was shocked that uh, there was actually a shutout so far. It yeah. just feels like there's so many goals being scored. Certainly in game one, for sure. And then over in the Eastern final, uh, the Rangers are leading Tampa two to nothing in the series. So the Rangers appear to be catching fire at just the right time. I'm curious how Tampa is going to re- respond to this. Rangers are for real. Uh, they broke Tampa's streak of what was it? 18 playoff games, uh, uh, being able to come back and win after a loss that was broken, um, with their uh, second loss in a row. Uh, the Rangers have figured out Vasilevsky. Shesterkin has been better in this series so far. We'll see what it's, what happens when it goes back to, uh, Tampa. And speaking of former Canadians, Corey Perry's been unbelievable for Tampa in the playoffs this season. Yeah, really good veteran uh, for uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa always seems to get to just the right, uh, I guess, bottom six veterans insert into their lineup for the playoffs. Yeah, and with with uh, Braden Point out, uh, Corey Perry's been bumped up in the lineup. So um, very versatile uh, and a veteran that's able to step in and and uh, and he's been very effective on the power play as well. So with uh, the New York Rangers eliminating the Hurricanes from the playoffs, that means uh, the Canadians will now select 26 overall. Um, if the Hurricanes moved on, it would have been uh, the 27th pick. Uh, that's uh, the Calgary pick that uh, Montreal got back in the Toffoli trade. So yay. Uh, I don't know if we can play a goal horn, but I've been very <laughs> invested in this since it happened. I'm, I'm very happy with that pick. So the Canadians now know that they will pick first and they will pick 26th. Uh, in uh, the first round. So when you're watching the coverage, 
uh, don't go away after the first pick. It's uh, stay stay right through uh, to the end of the first round. Perfect. So uh, I think that's all for our segment one here. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll hear from our sponsors, and then it's the big topic discussion. Uh, Hughes checking boxes. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Martin Saint Louis. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Are you looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. And uh, Rick, how are you doing for segment two? Great. Um, looking forward to this. Um, this is kind of a, a, a follow up uh, of, um, you know, we talked about all the things that are on the to do list for uh, Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon included. Um, you know, there's, there's trading Jeff Petrie. There's, there's, uh, finding a, a number one defenseman. There's, uh, trading Shea Weber's contract, uh, freeing up some payroll, um, adding some, some free agents, um, uh, appointing a captain, uh, all of these kinds of things, finding a winger for, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield that we talked about last week on last week's episode, lots of things for, uh, the hockey ops people to do, but two of the maybe most important things, things on their list was, um, a contract for Marty St. Louis and, uh, preparing, uh, yes, they have to, uh, uh select, uh, the number one overall and 26, um, in, uh, in July at the, uh, 2022 NHL entry draft in Montreal, but they have to prepare for it. And one of the ways that you prepare for it is attending the scouting combine. And so those are two of the things that kind of got checked off on, on, uh, the list this week. And, and that's why we wanted to focus on it in this big topic segment. 
Yeah, uh, I might throw in a little correction here and say that uh, it was hiring a head coach, uh, maybe not specifically Martin St. Louis, but uh, <laughs> the news did come down. Uh, Martin St. Louis did receive a three-year contract extension from the Canadians. Uh, under 37 games this year, he had a record of 14 and 23. Um, we talked about this briefly last segment but uh, what what are your thoughts on this? I, I know that uh, when Martin Saint Louis was appointed as the interim head coach, uh, we maybe had a little bit of a bad taste. We weren't super thrilled about this. But uh, is your reaction any different now that he's been extended for three years? Well, listen, the um, uh, let's go back a bit, and and uh, when when Claude Julian was was fired. Um, and, um, uh, and that was, that was something that, that had to be done and, and should have been done earlier than it was done. Uh, Dom Ducharme taking over temporarily as interim coach. Um, and we said at the time, please, please do a full scale search for a head coach. Uh, don't let, uh, Carey Price's heroics in, in last summer's playoffs, um, uh, influence uh, because Dom Ducharme, you know, what did he have to do with that run? Uh, but no, um, Mark Bergevin signed him um, right away, and um, and and then he was obviously the bad, uh, uh, not the right choice, and it became painful uh, not only for fans but for the players. There was a disconnect. There was a stubbornness. Uh, uh, that uh, Ducharme just was uh, a slave to his system, and and uh, regardless of the the talent that he had and the type of talent and the kind of strengths of his roster, um, and uh, and it was sign, re-signing him or making him the the head coach uh, without any kind of search was obviously a huge mistake. Um, now, when when uh, you know it was it was obvious that a change needed to be made and and uh in the middle of the season there wasn't a lot available a lot of available options for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and so they brought in somebody that they were comfortable with someone who could lift the spirits of of the players um and and make it fun to come to the rink we've heard that a lot fun to come to the rink again so they brought in someone who had zero coaching experience. And I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, yes, you, you helped out, you, you coached your son's team. I, I, that doesn't count to me. There was, there was zero coaching experience. Um, and that was okay for the time. Um, but I, I think it was, it was kind of, a thought of as, as well, this is kind of a stopgap, uh, measure, um, the interesting thing to me is that you mentioned his record, uh, 14 and 23 over 37 games, uh, that, that, uh, breaks down to 14 wins, 19 losses, four overtime losses in those 37 games. When you look at, um, when you look at Dom Ducharme's record, um, and that record going into the playoffs last year, the, the record that he took over when he took over from Claude Julian, the directly comparable record, he coached 38 games. His record was uh, 15, 16, and 7. Um, it, it, almost an identical record <laughs> as, as Marty St. Louis. Um, 
And yet in the, in the off season, uh, you think that, that maybe there might've been some reflection there with all of the available talent, the experienced talent out there, there might've been a, a full scale search. Um, the, the, Jeff Gordon, Ken Hughes, um, they decided that they were comfortable with uh, Marty St. Louis and and maybe comfortable with with uh, an inexperienced coach who is uh, able to bring some positivity, some enthusiasm, um, because I think uh, this is an indication that that the Canadians aren't going to be competitive, uh, not next year, not for a couple of years. Yeah, I think that's very, very well put. Uh, one thing that I find very disappointing personally is that there was no real, like, full, like, search for a head nope. coach. It, there wasn't anything reported about them reaching out to different candidates or interviewing anyone. Um, they, I guess, like I said last segment, they have a guy that I they like and they decided to commit to him. Um, I, I find that a little bit problematic. It's one thing if you do a full search and he's literally the best candidate that you have. It's another thing just to kind of take someone with no experience, shove them into a situation, decide, oh, vibes are slightly better than they were, but we're still in last place. Let's bring him back longer. And like you said, I do expect this team to be at the bottom of the league for the next few years while Martin St. Louis is learning this job on like on the spot, essentially um, one of the, I guess there's one quote here that uh, I want to bring up pretty early on uh, what Martin St. Louis has uh, proved so far. I don't think I'm, I've proved myself to be a good coach yet. And, and, and that was it. That That's the more, most important. I mean, Marty St. Louis can talk, he can go on and he can talk, but that's the most important part is that he said, I haven't proved anything. Uh, and obviously he hasn't 37 games. He came into a situation where nothing was expected of him. The expectations of uh, the Canadians uh, success were at, at the absolute bottom um, so anything he came in and did, as long as, as, as it was positive, uh, you know, there was a positive vibe about it, um, that it was, it was going to be seen in a good light. And, and he did that. He, he, he uh, was positive. Uh, you know, there was, um, he has, uh, an affinity to certain players. He focused on certain players. He, I, I hope over the course of the summer, he, understands or he begins to understand that he has to be a coach to every player in that roster. We didn't see that in, in the 37 games, but the extra attention he gave to a Cole Caulfield and, and because uh, Cole Caulfield blossomed under his tutelage, it, 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 it gave a good feeling and, and a positive feeling to, um, to, to Canadians fans, to the players themselves um, and, and, you know, the record wasn't there. The Canadians finished in last place, uh, but there was a better feeling about the team. And so given that expectations were so low, um, you know, uh, th- there was, there was, there was nothing there. There was, there was, um, there was nothing, uh, nothing demanded of him. And, and that, that frankly is going to change and going forward, uh, he is going to have to prove himself as a head coach in the National Hockey League. Yeah, uh, 
saying that he has not proved himself to be a good head coach yet is it's not what you want to hear first thing when you sign someone to a three-year head coach contract and I'll make it clear too I'm not opposed to Martin St. Louis being a part of the coaching staff like at all I think he's been beneficial for some of the younger guys like at Caulfield being maybe kind of a mentor but uh, it's it's still it's baffling to me that somebody who has no experience was able to just kind of leapfrog over everyone and get that head coaching position and then get extended basically after not really doing a whole lot in a, in a short stint in the NHL. It's very bizarre to me. And like, to be honest, like I'm thinking about if, if I were to have a job with a company and I was, you know, relatively experienced and all of a sudden, you know, a higher up position became available and someone was given that job with no experience. I, I, I'd be a little bit offended personally. So it's, it's just a bizarre situation. No, it is. And, and I think, um, you know, when this was announced, uh, I, I said at the time, as you just said, uh, it's not that he shouldn't be part of the organization, um, but, but maybe in a different capacity. Uh, could he have been brought on as, as a skill coach, a skills coach? Um, and a, a role that he sort of had for a very short time unofficially in Columbus. Um, you know, could, could he have made something, could he have had the same positive impact? Uh, could he have, have been that cheerleader in, in the, the locker room? Could he have passed on his skills at the same time learning how to be a coach uh, in the NHL? Uh, that was certainly... Um, a path for him. And, and um, I can tell you um, that, that this didn't sit well uh, around the National Hockey League. I, I, we know countless people uh, who leave the NHL and some, some uh, as stars, some as Hockey Hall of Fame members, and who still uh, then uh, in their post-playing career have to ride those buses in the AHL or uh, or, or, or travel, um, you know, dark highways late night, late at night, uh, to be a scout. Uh, and they put in the time and they put in the effort, um, for him to be vaulted ahead of all of those. I mean, you know, we, as, as you, I mean, it was a great point you just made, um, about, about, uh, comparing in our, in our own lives. We have Mike Rashel who, um, is runs a very successful uh, a dairy farm uh, in Ontario, and um, I can't imagine if they parachuted someone in uh, above him who had zero experience. Well, you know they ate food, so they had some, they had some experience with dairy and started uh, uh, dictating orders. Uh, I mean, how does that how does that happen, and and what message does that send through your organization? for people who are working their way up. And what message does it send to, you know, even the assistant coaches, uh, Trevor Latowski or Luke Richardson, who's put in um, thousands of hours uh, coaching in the AHL. And, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. However, uh, this is about fit, I think. And it's, it's, this is someone who fits well with, with Kent, uh, Hughes, Jeff Gordon, and obviously um, because of the the general reaction from the fan base, fits well with Montreal Canadiens fans. 
So you mentioned it uh, a little bit uh, with guys like Richardson and Latowski in the organization. Uh, Martin St. Louis did say that he would like to keep his uh, coaching staff intact, maybe add someone else. But uh, I, I guess guys like Richardson, who could be gone this summer, uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Uh, Richardson could be um, now. Now um, maybe it's a it's it's not the year for that to happen, given the the number of very experienced NHL coaches who are on the market. But I have no doubt that Luke Richardson is going to be a, a head coach in the National Hockey League in the not not too far foreseeable future. Yeah, Richardson is somebody that uh, I did follow a little bit uh, dating back to when he was uh, head coach for the Belleville Senators. I remember hearing that he really, really wanted a head coaching job coming out of that. Uh, he didn't get it, but he, he's been a really nice uh, assistant. So I'm hoping that uh, at some point he uh, has an opportunity. But uh, do you and, think and how many how many players have said we'll go through a wall for uh, Luke Richardson? Uh, ben Chirot was one. Uh, Shea Weber always spoke very highly of him. Alex Romanoff uh, has spoken extremely highly of him. Um, Luke Richardson is is um, is a very very good coach. Yes, uh, and that's kind of what I'm uh, getting to a little bit here is that if you're willing to hire someone as a coach who does not have like a whole lot of experience, uh, wouldn't Richardson be like at the top of your list? Well, um, Richardson has, has, as you said, he's been a head coach uh, at the pro level before, uh, has lots of experience uh, in, in the AHL, um, and, and was one of those guys who has worked uh, their way up. Um, and we remember that he very capably um, has taken over um, during COVID issues and, and, uh, and filled in even in the, the heat of, the, of a playoff run um, behind the bench as head coach. So uh, I think he's entirely capable and, and would be attractive uh, on the market. Uh, there's another quote from uh, Martin St. Louis that uh, I would like to get into here, uh, talking about taking a long-term approach and what that means to him and the development I think winning is just going to be a side effect of what we're doing. And once you get that, you know, I think you, 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 you sustain success for a long time. So he, w- he was talking about um, developing young players and it's, it's kind of um, an odd um, thing to hear from an NHL coach. You usually hear it from an AHL coach uh, about balancing um, uh, development and putting young players in uh, situations from which they can grow, um, you know, versus versus um, putting uh, putting an emphasis on winning. And in the AHL, we see that all the time. Uh, do you send out a veteran um, who to take an important defensive faceoff uh, when you know there's a higher chance? Um, that uh, he's going to be successful, or do you put out the the younger player, the younger prospect, uh, because you know that he needs those reps on important faceoffs? Same for special teams, and uh, and and uh, Marty St. Louis was talking like a um, a an AHL coach. And I'm not I'm not being critical about that. I'm just that's kind of recognizing the reality of where the Canadians are at, saying that in his mind. Um, that he's going to lean towards uh, development. And all he, he said, I, I, I hate to lose, uh, but I also understand that um, 
we need to look at the long-term picture rather than just, uh, you know, a, a single win in, in late October kind of thing. Yeah, that was something I definitely do appreciate is his emphasis and recognition on wanting to give young players opportunities. That's something that I think Ducharme lacked, given how the season was going, uh, still opting to go with uh, veterans, opting to go with uh, Laurent Dauphin over maybe another younger prospect at times. So uh, do you think that St. Louis will be, I guess, the right guy to develop those young players? Um. You know, it's it's a good question, and just because you're a good player uh, doesn't make you a good coach. And and um, you know, Wayne Gretzky was was a terrible coach. Um, he, it, your the ability of um, being able to pass on that information, uh, what made you successful is is not always, um, you know, is not always, doesn't always come easy to uh, Hall of Fame type players. So I, I guess the answer to that is, I don't know. Uh, I like that, that he's, um, he certainly was able to uh, get the most out of a Cole Caulfield. Now I want to see him do the same thing with a Ryan Paling, a player who's not like him at all. Um, I want because that's gonna that's gonna tell me what kind of coach he is. Um, that 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 he can rather than delivering things from his shoes, that he can step into their shoes or their skates uh, and help them with uh, with uh, the kind of development that they need. Uh, I haven't seen that so far, but, but, uh, hopefully that, that's, what's going to be, that's, what's going to be real important, um, in the next couple of years. So at, uh, the press availability on Wednesday, uh, Martin Saint-Louis devel- delivered an opening statement, uh, unfortunately in French only, and then took, uh, questions for about 43 minutes. Unfortunately, uh, the two quotes we have were the limited audio that we do have in English. Uh, one of the things he did talk about though, was the role he might play at the draft. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I, I, I liked what he said. Um, they they asked if if uh, you know what what role is he going to to uh, play in the draft and and we've seen you know we certainly saw uh, Claude Julian at, at the uh, at the draft table, um, but he said it's not his enjo- his job to be involved in player development and I like that answer. That's he's absolutely right. It's not his job. Um, he said he'll gladly offer his opinion uh, if asked, um, but he has he had enough to do being head coach of the Montreal Canadiens without any experience. He didn't have time to be you know watching prospects. Um, so I, I thought I thought that was a that was a you know stay in your lane. That that was a, a, a very good answer. Yeah, I appreciated that as well. But uh, I think we can both agree the one thing we want uh, Martin Saint-Louis to do over this offseason is, uh, I guess, learn the coaching position a lot more to be nice and ready for uh, uh, opening face-off uh, next October. That's an excellent point. And, and I think, um, you know, the players have things they, they want to work on uh, over the summer. And we've heard from some of the players, Brendan Gallagher wants to get healthy over the summer. Um, I think that there's no one in the Montreal Canadiens organization that needs to work harder learning their position um, than Marty St. Louis because he's he's coming at it from uh, 
you know, he's got a big deficit there to, to make up and, and he needs to learn how to uh, better manage a bench. He needs to learn because Trevor Latowski was certainly uh, more involved than, than the typical assistant uh, in doing that. He needs to be uh, better prepared for practices that looked amateurish at best, um, uh, you know, this, this past season. Um, he's got an, an awful lot of work to do. I, I hope he comes back in September and said, I didn't have a day of vacation. I spent uh, the entire summer learning my job. That's what I hope. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, before we move along uh, here to what uh, happened at the NHL Scouting Combine, uh, do you have any uh, final uh, remarks there on uh, Martin St. Louis' three-year contract? Well, I think that um, it's 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 um, a bit of good news for the fan base. Uh, it's a face they know. It's someone they they like. Um, and and uh, if if um, if he can focus on. Uh, really learning his position in addition to being that emotional support, which he has been this past year. Uh, and if that can get the Canadians through this, this next couple of years when they don't expect to be a contender, um, then I think, uh, I think that's a, that's been a good hire. Um, the, what I'll say in going on from that, once the Canadians get into being a Stanley cup contender, uh, what we've seen is that it matters. It matters a lot to have experience, to have faced situations before uh, in, in, in coaching. Um, and you need a lot of it. And, um, and by that point, I don't necessarily know that, that uh, uh, St. Louis can, can accelerate his learning or his experiences to that extent. Um, and you may need a, a, a you know a, an associate coach who has that experience to to help him take that next step. Yeah, and that's very well put. So I agree with all of that. So this past week, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, and members of the hockey operations staff spent time in Buffalo at the NHL Scouting Combine. Uh, top draft eligible prospects underwent physical tests and media assessments, as well uh, as uh, participating in interviews with NHL teams. Uh, the combine is still going on today, and uh, we'll certainly keep you update with everything that happens on uh, next week's podcast and future podcasts. But uh, was there anything of note uh, that you felt came out of the combine this past week? Well, I think um, this is, and, and as you said, uh, the, the, uh, the, there are a number of components of uh, the, the scouting combine, uh, as, as there is every year. Uh, there's the physical testing and, and uh, those kinds of comparisons between the top prospects. Um, we'll get into breaking down that uh, in future episodes. Um, but I think this was, this was a, a new experience for Kent Hughes. Um, and interesting that, uh, started Monday, Kent Hughes and, and, and Jeff Gordon was there, Nick Bobrov, Marty LaPointe, uh, they had a whole crew, uh, of hockey ops staff there. Um, Kent Hughes had scheduled, uh, to be in Buffalo, uh, where it was held from Monday to Wednesday. He was going to fly out on, on Wednesday. Um, he ended up staying till Friday. He changed his plans and ended up staying till Friday. And I think that's an indication. Uh, this is really important. Number one, uh, 
for the future of the Montreal Canadiens, picking first overall. Number two, it says to me, their minds aren't made up. Um, that that they're still evaluating, um, and 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 I think that was clear um, as as uh, we had that impromptu kind of press conference uh, on Tuesday from Kent Hughes, from directly from uh, the uh, the scouting combine, and he talked about uh, he talked about you know what was important. Uh, what they wanted to get out of out of the week um, in in adding to the information and scouting reports that they already had. Yeah, and there's a really nice quote that we have from Hughes uh, on uh, how how much weight do they attach to uh, the uh, evaluation at the draft combine. But I, I would put more weight on the interviews to the extent that you know I think some players come very prepared. Uh, by others and, and but where we can kind of get below the surface and try to get to know the player a little bit better know the personality the characteristics that we covet or or concern us those are those are important things I think the the physical testing I think is a little bit hard to quantify in some ways because some guys have access to training all year some guys have been out of the playoffs for a long time. Some guys are going to come here on the doorstep of their season having concluded. So, um, you know, the information, all of it's helpful, but if I were to value one over the other, it would be the interview process. As far as uh, dinners, we're taking, you know, different players out one-on-one, try to get to know them uh, that may be in our uh, range, so to speak, where we're picking at this point. A fascinating comment, and that, that's a that's a longer clip than we usually play because he went on a bit of a a journey there in explaining uh, his rationale, and and I'm sure it would be um, news to the prospects that are there doing the 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 really tough, grueling uh, physical tests that uh, can't. And I'm not going to say that that they don't matter, but uh, Kent Hughes saying that he puts more emphasis on. Uh, on the um, on the interviews on um, the the couple of dinners that that were scheduled, um, then the the physical tests and he explained why in that they already have a lot of physical information, and that that the prospects arrive at the combine for these tests, um, and they're at all different points. Some of them some of them having just played. Some of them. Um, you know, as he said, not having the same access to training and those kinds of things. There's even, you know, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky um, having just come from the world championships isn't being tested. So um, there's, there's not that it isn't important, but he's placing um, a, be- a, a bigger importance on the interviews, on the personal interaction. Uh, that also says that uh, the Canadians... This is part of building a new culture. Um, they want to find, they want to find team guys. They want to find guys who are are going to be pursuing team goals and not necessarily um, individual goals. And um, so I, I thought that was a, a very revealing comment about how the the Montreal Canadiens organization is using this week at the combine. 
Yeah, and I like to hear that character, especially at a younger age like that, that's very important. And you brought up a really good point by saying that you don't necessarily want to go after guys who are looking at individual accomplishments. You want guys looking at team accomplishments. And it's a pretty, like these interviews can be a pretty, uh, I guess, good gauge of uh, what kind of leadership these guys might bring to the table in the future and all all that kinds of stuff. Uh, not every interview is going to go, I guess, particularly well but uh, the ones that do go well I think that uh, when if you're splitting hairs and you're still not sure who to take at a certain spot uh, that could be a pretty big difference for sure and and we should explain that um, the interviews and and the Canadians um, probably interviewed 30 people thereabouts uh, yeah. 30 players um, some of the some of the the prospects uh, were interviewed by all 32 and 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 that didn't happen to Shane Wright. I think he said that he was interviewed by twelve teams. Uh, Shane Wright's going to go in the in you know uh, the t- absolutely in the top three picks. Um, and so, is there a team that's hoping to trade up? Is there you know? Um, but the the interviews, the general interviews, are fifteen minutes long. Uh, Kent Hughes described it as speed dating. Um, that, that you don't get a lot of t- uh, time to, uh, to really evaluate. And, and oftentimes um, in those, those uh, kind of, of uh, interviews where you don't have a lot of time, um, they ask what seemingly can be uh, crazy kind of questions. And it's been reported, and it's been reported by a number of of prospects that the Canadians interview was the hardest by far. Uh, that 15 minutes was the hardest. Uh, one of the prospects, um, Cali Odelius said, uh, that he was asked by the Montreal Canadians if he would pick up $10 off a toilet seat or $50 from inside the toilet. Um, he's, he added that he chose the $50, um, th- th- these are these are obviously what the the Canadians are going for. There um, is uh, you you want you want a player who's going to do something difficult for the higher reward. You can see where their thinking is, um, but I think it's more in the explanation uh, than uh, than the response, and and that takes up part of that uh, that fifteen minute speed dating that you have with these prospects. Yeah, hearing that question, I can't help but feel like I would probably end up being the worst interview out of the group. I would have many questions about access to gloves. And if no, <laughs> then I, I would probably just go with the $10 personally. And ask, uh, is this U.S. currency? Is this, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's all important. <laughs> but um, interestingly enough, um, not all the interviews were very good. Uh, uh, Kent Hughes said some of the meetings we're not very good. Um, now we can assume uh, that he wasn't talking about uh, Shane Wright because he went on later on to say he was very impressed by the meeting with with Shane Wright uh, and and specifically said uh, that he views him as a very intelligent young and mature young man. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that uh, a lot of times. Uh, players will get interviewed by some like 30 teams. Uh, obviously a guy like Shane Wright's kind of a special case. He said only about 12 teams uh, to put things in perspective, Ottawa, who is selecting seventh overall, they posted a picture interviewing uh, Uri Slavkovsky. 
they're selecting seventh overall and Sapkowski is probably going in the top three. So uh, teams are just covering all their bases at mm-hmm. this point. And I think that's kind of an important one to point out just because somebody's interviewed. That doesn't necessarily mean that the team's like that interested or it's even possible to happen. And Montreal is certainly covering all its bases and, and something um, that that kind of came out just before the scouting combine started. It was a report from um, a Russian Sport Express uh, reporter who said uh, that, to his knowledge, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers had declared that they were will, would refuse to draft any Russian-born players. Um, and so that was one of the first questions that Kent Hughes was asked in his media availability. And he threw cold water all over that and said, no, in fact, we had just interviewed a Russian player that very morning, being Tuesday morning. Yeah, that's that's probably the right call. Um, unfortunately, with the, the things going on in, in the world, I wouldn't be too surprised if certain teams maybe were taking that route. But uh, yeah, it's nice that there's some cold water being poured all over that. And, and we should add that not only is was there interviews, those 15-minute speed dating interviews, but there was an opportunity to get to know um, the, the top prospects a little bit more. Uh, and um, uh, Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes uh, set up a dinner uh, with uh, Shane Wright on Monday um, and had dinner with him and, and, and uh, spent part of an evening getting to know Shane Wright a whole lot better. I thought what was really interesting from that interaction was that uh, Shane Wright was looking at the menu for dinner and and uh, someone around the table asked him, uh, so uh, where are you leaning? What are you thinking of ordering? And he said, gee, I was going to order steak, but uh, man, it, this is expensive. It looks like it's going to be $60. And they said, go ahead, order the steak. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> but but just, uh, I think there there's... There's even an indication there that that's a that's a humble player. Um, that's somebody who uh, who understands that um, you know that there isn't any sense of entitlement when it comes to uh, to Shane Wright. Um, on Thursday, uh, the Canadians had a dinner with Logan Cooley. Um, they did not have a dinner with uh, Yaroslav Koski. Uh, but on Wednesday night, that was after um, Kent Hughes extended his trip, uh, they texted um, Slavkovsky after the dinner, a- after the dinner hour, and said, can we get together? And, and Slavkovsky said, sure, and they got together for about an hour. Um, and uh, Yuri's quote from, the, from that, when he was asked, oh, are you disappointed that you didn't get a dinner? He said, no, our meeting tasted better than dinner. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way to put that. Yeah, uh, I've been pretty impressed with the, a lot of the interviews I've heard from those three guys. They all seem super, super mature. They all seem to have their heart and uh, their competitiveness in the right place. So I have no doubt that they'll they will make the correct decision at uh, number one. And I uh, think that that any like let's set aside this bickering and and trashing one player and promoting another and uh, that we see on social media. Uh, whether it's Logan Cooley, whether it's Yuri Slavkovsky, whether it's Shane Wright, they are all going to be very good hockey players. The reason that there's so much debate, especially amongst the scouts, is that the the differences are much different, uh, are, are, are much uh, closer this year than they have. Usually there's one clear front runner, isn't 
necessarily the case, and they all bring something different to the table. And and for the Canadians, they need, as we've said before, kind of one of everything. So uh, each is attractive, um, but there's going to be other there's going to be other suitors for sure. Um, you know, both uh, Shane Wright and, and Slavkovsky are, are traveling to New Jersey on Monday. Uh, they're meeting directly with the Devils organization. They're going to get, tour all the facilities. Um, Slavkovsky talked about uh, having long conversations with Thomas Tatar to find out more about the New Jersey organization. And, and all he heard from Tatar was positive. Um, so there's, there's a lot at play. It's not just the Montreal Canadians. What we know is that Montre- the Montreal Canadians aren't going to have to depend on somebody else or, or hope that their selection is, is available when it comes to their turn because they have first pick. They're going to pick the player that they want. Yeah, they're really going to be able to set the tone with that first overall pick. But they also have a pick coming up at number 26. And uh, one of the guys that uh, maybe has been speculated uh, at that 26 spot is uh, Kent Hughes' son, Jack Hughes. Uh, Kent's already confirmed that he is absolutely not going to use that pick uh, to or the first overall pick to select Jack. Um, Jack believes that that is a huge mistake, as he put out on Twitter not too long ago. And, but, and uh, if there's any confusion about that, it was a joke, and he's acknowledged it's a joke. And and yeah. I thought a very, I, I thought a very good back and forth between the father and son. Yeah, uh, if I've noticed one thing, it's that uh, both uh, Kent and Jack Hughes have a great sense of humor. Uh, there was a little bit of an awkward uh, interview the other day, I guess, uh, where uh, Jack Hughes was interviewed by the Canadians organization, uh, walking into the room, seeing his dad there. Uh, he was asked uh, by one of the other uh, members of the organization, uh, do, do you want your dad to stick around for this meeting? And uh, Jack's response was, not really, not necessary. To which he was told, uh, that's kind of too bad he's going to be here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and uh, on the other side, Kent Hughes, uh, you know, tried to leave when he saw Jack coming in. Um, and it was Marty, Saint, uh, Marty LaPointe who said, uh, no, 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 sit down. Uh, we need you here for this meeting. So he, he said that he stayed quiet, uh, didn't really ask anything and just more, more or less observed, but, uh, very interesting, uh, back and forth between the, the son and dad. Yeah. Uh, kind of a funny little story there. And, uh, if I, if I'm taking anything away from that, it's that, uh, Kent Hughes is not going to draft his son just for the sake of drafting his son. It seems like he's going to hold out to make uh, the right decision and draft the right player there. Not that there was any question of that going into this. Yeah. And, and he's declared throughout that, that the Canadians at every opportunity will take the best player available at number one, at number six, at 26, they're going to take the best player available. If uh, the scouts convince him that Jack Hughes is the best player at 26, then that's who they'll pick. And, and, but I think they're going to have to do more convincing than they would of other uh, yeah. young men because, uh, you know, Jack Hughes or, uh, Kent Hughes has coached Jack Hughes in the past. And, uh, uh, Jack said that his dad was always tougher on him, uh, than he was on the other players. And, uh, and he said, that's, that's fine. Uh, and that, that, um, that it, even if he gets picked by the, uh, by the Canadians, then it's only going to be motivation, uh, for Jack to show that he he didn't only get drafted because of his dad, that it was based on merit. 
Yeah, and uh, I'll point out too, uh, with Kent Hughes coming in as the general manager mid-season, uh, he's not had a, a full year to, I guess, talk to his scouting staff and to see who's around to be drafted and everything. So I think for the most part, I'm going to speculate that uh, Kent Hughes will defer to his scouting staff when it comes to making certain big decisions, right? Oh, for sure. Um, now, now he has his own experience uh, from his uh, from clients, uh, from his conversations, uh, from his uh, his involvement with uh, the NCAA. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of input, but um, you know, at that 26 pick, uh, for sure, he's going to uh, uh, you know defer to. Uh, his scouts, but but uh, you know that that's that's what uh, a good general manager is going to do is is going to um, take in all the information and and try to get the best evaluation of of these prospects and 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 hopefully that means uh, contributions by by the scouts by um, Marty Saint, uh, Marty I keep saying Marty Saint Louis Marty Lapointe uh, Nick Bobrov uh, and uh, Jeff Gordon. And uh, we'll make sure to keep everyone up to date on all things going on draft-wise in uh, upcoming episodes. The draft is just around the corner. But uh, for now, I think now is a good time to take our final break on Canadians Connection. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
Welcome back to episode 194 of Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at face or at uh, Habs Connection. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can visit our website at canadiansconnection.com and feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853 Rocket. So this is segment three. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a long uh, newsy uh, podcast, hasn't it? Oh, there's lots been happening this week, so uh, we're happy to to share uh, that all with our listeners. Yep, and uh, if people want to be able to stay up to date with all the content, make sure you head over to allhabs.net. Uh, we have our weekly notepad that comes out on Mondays. We also have our Habs headlines that come out as they happen. Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube. All Habs YouTube page has our Habs hockey report that comes out every Thursday. Amy Johnson is hosting that, and uh, this week uh, she covers everything Martin St. Louis contract and gives you all the new updates on the Laval Rocket. Also, feel free to leave us a like. You can subscribe as well. Leave a comment. She loves reading through the comments, and she will answer pretty much all of them. Also, we have our Rocket Sports Radio podcast, obviously Canadians Connection, every Saturday, and we'll be here every Saturday this summer. You do not want to miss an episode. Make sure you subscribe to that. Plus, the Press Zone, as uh, the Laval Rocket are deep in the playoffs, you can stay up to date with everything AHL and Laval Rocket by listening to the Press Zone. Uh, you will hear a full breakdown of the first two games of the Laval Springfield series coming on Tuesday. And uh, Rick, uh, there, I've heard that there might be some interviews from some former Habs on that podcast. Absolutely. Uh, the Press Zone podcast comes out uh, late afternoon uh, every Tuesday. Make sure you uh, subscribe to pressone.fm. Um, and uh, there, I'm sure there will be audio from uh, the first two games. But in addition, uh, there was a one-on-one -on -one interview done with a couple of familiar names from uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds, uh, players who play a key role with that team, uh, Charlie Lindgren, um, and part of the uh, the goaltending tandem who's been who's played so exceptionally well for Springfield with uh, Joel Hofer and Will Bitten. Um, Will Bitten, who was traded um, to Minnesota um, uh, for Gustav Olofsson um, by Mark Bergevin at the beginning of the season uh, a while back. He he talks about being drafted by the Canadians and um, and. Uh, uh, and now his, his finding a, a home with uh, Springfield and, and has been a very uh, effective member of, um, of their uh, veteran corps. Uh, Matthew Pekka is also there, who's had a very good playoff. Um, so uh, there'll be all kinds of uh, audio and, and information coming up this on this Tuesday's Press Zone podcast. So we have our Canadians Connection question of the week. And it's going to tie in nicely with this whole episode. Are you happy with the contract extension for Martin St. Louis? So if you want to head over to our All Habs Facebook page, uh, you can feel free to answer that. Facebook.com slash All Habs. Um, please, please give your feeling about uh, uh, Martin St. Louis. Please give your, uh, your uh, there, there's also uh, lots of comments. Congratulations, uh, congratulations to uh, Carrie Price. 
uh, on uh, that post. Uh, so please head to uh, facebook.com slash allhabs and like the page and uh, leave your comments there for us. Yep, and there are some important upcoming dates for uh, Laval, uh, as I mentioned in segment one. Tonight, it's the first game of Laval versus Springfield. Set, uh, it's going to be Saturday at uh, 7.35 p.m. Also, tomorrow on Sunday, it's a 5.05 p.m. start in, again in Springfield. Laval won't head back home until Wednesday. That will be a 7 p.m. start. And then on uh, the 10th of June, that's uh, game four. It will be a Friday night in Laval, again, 7 p.m. Make sure you tune in for all of those. It's going to be one heck of a series. Yeah, and if uh, you want to follow uh, the AHL Report on Twitter or AHLReport.com is where you'll find uh, the, the there's game reviews and breakdowns uh, for each game. And, of course, we'll be talking about all of it uh, on next week's podcast, the Canadians Connection podcast. That's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player or on your favorite podcasting apps. You can also share on social media if you've liked what you heard today. Enjoy the week. We'll be here next Saturday, June 11th, for another great episode. Thank you for listening to Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.